When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And hello once again, everybody. It's another exciting episode of THN on the queue, brought to you by BetMGM. It's been a couple of weeks since we were last with you, and of course, a lot has taken place. The draft, the trades, the changes in personnel, a lot to get through. We're going to start right away. Uh, first of all, as usual, I'm Will McLaren. He's Jamie Tozer. And there's a very distinct difference between the two of us and uh, the events of the last couple of weeks. Um, one of us decided to go to the first live in-person draft for the QMJHL in three years up in Sherbrooke, mm-hmm. Quebec. Mm-hmm. One of us decided to flee the continent for nine days. Um, I'll bold let choice. you figure. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a bold choice. I, and I think the people who made those decisions stand by them especially considering the condition that those that went to Sherbrooke ended up being in last week. Um, yeah. It's, who, who would have thought you could still have a super spreader in 2023, but here we are. Uh, so Jamie, first of all, hope you're feeling a little bit better than you were last week. And second of all, uh, before we even talk about the ins and outs of the draft, just let's talk a little bit about the draft experience. What was it like to get back in the saddle and, and, and back into an event that both of us, uh, have a big appreciation for. Well, yeah, yeah. As you can tell by my voice, I am still uh, recovering from such a glorious weekend in beautiful Sherbrooke. Um, like I mentioned, visiting all these Q cities for the draft, uh, it's a lot nicer visiting these places in the summertime than in the winter. So it's uh, <laughs> great to see, great to see Sherbrooke in the summer. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, it felt it felt like. Uh, felt like we didn't miss a beat. Like it felt like there was a draft the year before that uh, um, league did a great job. Phoenix did a great job. It felt like old times. Everything felt like it was just uh, uh, any normal draft. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, had a blast per usual. Great to see uh, so many people that I haven't seen. Uh, well, I haven't seen a person in a few years. Uh, great to see, but always great to see some people that you see throughout the year, but to have everybody in one spot. So it's, it's a blast. Yeah, definitely, and that and that's the thing is is that combination of uh, who you see a little more frequently yep. than the ones that you, you almost never get to see, and uh, everybody's there, uh, you know, soaking it all in, and it's just for, for the people who really um, who really follow the league or you know have a keen um, uh, keen aptitude towards you know roster construction or drafts themselves or just just watching what takes place on the floor like it's just it's fascinating if, if you're watching this listening to this and you're in a q city uh because now the ohl and the dub obviously they uh, they do a, a a phone or a virtual draft but if you're in a q city and the draft comes to your city just do yourself a favor take the time to go if if at all possible first round at least 
<laughs> at least for the first round. I after mean, that, I can understand. I can understand people leaving after the first round. But. Yeah, it's going to take. Yeah, and and I, the first round is still going to take half your day. Like, let's get <laughs> let's get that one thing straight right now. But um, it's just fascinating. It's that it's like a mini NHL draft in yep. a lot of ways, and um, just great to see it see it back. And uh, of course, Jamie, you were the guy who was there. Um, you know some of the key things that took place on the draft floor. There was the trades, but there was also the draft itself. Yep. And um, take us through some of the, what for you were some of the key highlights uh, up in Sherbrooke uh, about a week and a half ago now. Well, obviously the, the first takeaway is Caleb Denoye going uh, first overall to Moncton, which we all kind of knew was going to happen and certainly expect it to happen. Um and given that his brother played for the Wildcats, his uncle played for the Wildcats, pretty much a slam dunk pick. Um, and really like a like a safe pick. I know that's not like a make kind of makes Denoye seem like kind of a boring player to call him a safe pick, but he's just such a he's such a good all around player that even if one aspect of his game for whatever reason doesn't translate to the major junior level, he's still got other tools that he can use and be an effective player. So um really good pick for the Wildcats, I think. Um um, I think pretty much everybody had him going first overall. Um, captain and team Quebec at the uh, Canada Games, and I, I think you know just from hearing him speak um, during some of his media interviews, I, I would think that he's probably going to be a future captain in this league at some point too. So um, looks like a great pick for Moncton. Um, they also traded up and got a went six overall as well. Uh, took four Sean Carrier, who was actually. Uh, Denoy's line mate with Team Quebec, uh, so they're both forwards, obviously. So uh, Moncton's offense gets a little bit uh, of uh, of a punch there. Um, you know they're missing; they're going to lose a couple key forwards. So that's uh, that's some good pickups uh, for this year, next year, and probably the year after too. Um, so really looking forward to see if those two have chemistry and they can bring that to the Moncton next year. Um, and then they added Vincent Collard from Bakabo as well. So that four group of Moncton is going to look uh, a little bit different next year. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe a little bit young, um, but a lot of potential and certainly uh, are built well for that uh, Memorial Cup potential host in 2025. Yeah, and that's just it. I know, you know, uh, the uh, ownership and the brass in Moncton are really targeting 2025 yep. right now. And, you know, there's a couple of key guys elsewhere in the lineup, you know, a guy like Etienne Moran, obviously, to anchor the blue line. Um, you know, a guy like Gabriel Forche Gendron, who came in last year as a 16 year old defenseman, he'll be a big piece. And now, you know, it's going to be uh, built up. You know, there's, there's a couple of guys uh, up front uh, who will be uh, uh, grizzled veterans, really, by then. I believe that would be the overage season for a young Loshing. He's still in the league, which strong possibility he is. Yep. So, this is just augmenting everything. And, you know, you make the point about. Uh, the family connection there, of course, uh, the brother of Elliot Desnoyers and uh, the nephew of a guy who uh, I remember very well from a very long time ago, Simon Liberté. All three guys drafted in the first round. All three guys uh, were either a C or an A. Simon was briefly a captain in Moncton uh, in his own right. So, uh, you know, and, and really with uh, Elliot and Simon back in the day, uh, two guys who were just universally well-liked and it looks like Caleb uh, from a personality standpoint is going to uh, 
follow in the footsteps of uh, of his uh, brother and his uh, uncle very well. So it'd be very exciting to see what, as you mentioned, both him and uh, Carrier bring to the table this first year in Moncton as, uh, as the Cats continue their climb through the Maritime Division and the Q League in general. Um, now, Moncton had two of the first uh, 10 picks in the draft, yep, two of the first six. eight picks. For six. Yeah, two of the first six, um, which really means that, um, you know, in a way, they were kind of behind the eight ball compared, compared to some other teams. Uh, yeah. we, we, they, they, were part, they were one of only three teams to make the first uh, eight picks in the draft, which, um, you know, I remember when this happened, Jamie, um, I was there in 2006, Ramuski, who were hosting the 2009 Memorial Cup. They took uh, four of the first eight players, including uh, future NHLers in Patrice Cormier and Jordan Caron. And it was shocking. Like that had never been seen. But it's almost an annual tradition now. Uh, we've seen Gatineau do it. We've seen Ramuski do it. We've seen Chikumi do it. Uh, where it's they basically stockpile not just first round picks but high end first round picks and it happened again this year yep screwed me going uh with four first round picks i think some of us maybe thought that um they might package some of those and move up a little bit um, but they opted to keep all of them it's always an interesting move to keep all of them and you know i think screwed me had four last year but Correct me if I'm wrong. I think two of them, two of those players, didn't report screwed me if I'm correct. So really, that's correct. At two yeah. picks, uh, Sasha uh, Boisvert yeah. for one, and uh, there was Someone one else. other whose name escapes me. Yeah. But from from following this draft, I think all four of these guys are going to report to screwed me next year. Um, and people got to remember too, like there's a limit on 16 year olds you can carry. So I mean, that's pretty much their four 16 year olds. So uh, which doesn't happen uh, very often. So. Um, certainly, a, certainly a choice to go all in on young talent like that. But um, screwed me. I mean, they're looking pretty good for the future. Like they've got a pretty good core built there. Um, whether they did, what year they decide to go in, seems like seems like a few of the teams that we knew were kind of interested in twenty twenty five have kind of made their rosters so that if they decide not to go in twenty five, they're still going to probably be pretty good in twenty six. So they've kind of got some options mm-hmm. there. Um, also, saw the Armada draft twice in the top eight. So. Armada Wildcats chewed me. They were, they, were, they were busy in that top eight. Um, another trend, very Quebec-heavy first round. Um, had to wait till pick 14 to see a Maritimer go. Uh, Tyson Goga, uh, a Moncton native, went to uh, Ramuski. So um, a very Quebec-heavy draft, which we kind of knew going in was going to be the case, but still kind of kind of weird to see um, such a, a dominant uh, wave of Quebec players the first round after after, uh, you know, we kind of see a mix of it um, in recent years anyway. Oh, definitely. And, you know, as the years go by, it becomes more and more prevalent that some years you may have just as many uh, Atlantic Canadians uh, selected as you will Quebec-born players. Just, you know, some years the uh, the numbers just tilt in a certain way and uh, they tilted very heavily in the favor of uh, Quebec-born talent, for sure. Um, yeah, I... Based on what we saw coming into this draft, that's not overly surprising. Um, and they did make up uh, towards uh, the end of that, uh, the end of the first round uh, with a handful yep. of other guys being selected. But at the end of the day, um, going uh, the first 13 of uh, nothing but Quebec-born players, that's something that's, I'm willing to bet that's probably something without having the record book right in front of me, something that probably hasn't happened since, 
yeah. uh, the first couple of years in which the maritime, in which maritime teams were in the queue. Yeah. Uh, that, that's so heavily skewed, something we may not see again for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but you talked about Tyson Gauguin and uh, him going 14th. You also talked about uh, Blaineville, of course, and the Armada and their plethora of picks. Um, I want to talk about a guy who went a little bit lo- later in the draft, but went to the Armada nonetheless. Um, and Zachary Moran. Uh, felt a 19th overall, um, probably not overly surprising in some respects, but uh, certainly um, certainly something that no doubt caught some eyes uh, on the draft floor and in the crowd the day of the draft. Yeah, and Moran was ranked uh, third by Central Scouting, but played in the U.S. last year, has already signed a tender to play uh, with USHL Youngstown next year, so certainly a guy who um, has clear intentions to play in the U.S., so not a huge shock to see him slip all the way down. Um, also, probably not really a shock to see him go late in the first round, just given that the Armada, if, if he doesn't report and they choose to relinquish his rights, they can get a compensation pick next year. So, um, you know, pretty pretty safe gamble by the Armada, who, uh, you know, might have a shot at, uh, at getting him there. It's, a, you know, in the Montreal market. Um, um, pretty good young core there with the Armada, too. So you never know. They might have a chance. A um, couple other interesting picks, though. Um, sea Dogs <clears throat> uh, drafted a guy pretty much no one had ever heard of um, in the second round with their top pick. <laughs> Classic Sea Dogs move. Uh, yep. yep. So Egan Beveridge, who uh, if if you looked at the American draft listings, which I don't think anybody did of Central Scouting, um, he was listed full, full on there. Full disclosure, I did not. <laughs> well, that's, that's disappointing to hear that. Uh, yeah. But a very pretty highly touted American player. He's from New Hampshire. Uh, played for the Chicago Mission le- last year. A um, little bit small. Uh, I think Central Scouting has him listed at five seven. Elite Prospects has him at five eight, around one hundred sixty pounds. But um, from what I know, very talented player. Um, so certainly some drama around that pick. But Beveridge was actually there. Um, put on a Sea Dogs jersey. He's fully committed to coming to St. John. So it looks like this is a this is a sure thing that. Uh, CEDAW's got essentially a first round talent um, in the second round with 30th overall pick. So it looks like a pretty good, pretty good find by them. Um, and certainly kudos to their, their scouting staff. Cause I know they worked quite a, for s- several months behind the scenes trying to get this pick secured. So um, that'll be an interesting to follow next year to see what he can bring. Um, and a little bit of uh, intrigue after that pick too. So beverage went to 30th um, and then the Mooseheads moved up to uh, take Li- Liam Kilfoyle immediately after that pick. Um, and that was a little interesting just because, um, Beverly and Kilfoyle turns out were, uh, were roommates at a U.S. prep school, um, previously and St. John was scheduled to pick again at 33. Um, so certainly have to think that the Mooseheads were concerned that St. John was going to move up and get Kilfoyle, who's uh, a Quispam Cis native, but like Morin, um, has committed to a USHL team for next year. It looks like he's going to go to the U.S., um, but again, we'll see what happens. Um, and certainly the Mooseheads being such a strong team, um, you know, there's certainly some intrigue there to, to follow throughout the summer to see if uh, he might change his mind and come to Q-Root. Yeah. And, you know, going back to, uh, to uh, Egan Beveridge, um, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen the Sea Dogs do this. In fact, the Sea Dogs have almost kind of made, uh, made a bit of a, create a bit of a niche out of selecting guys who have fallen down the ranks or who are not as well known or have claimed to have NCAA intentions. 
You know, Jonathan Huberto was actually one of those guys that people recall. He was the last pick in the first round back in 2009 when, in fact, he was a top five talent. Turned out to be the best player picked in that draft for most people's money. Uh, guys like Pierre Durapo uh, around the same time and, and even more recent times, guys like Peter Reynolds, who uh, Cam and I'd even put Cam McDonald in there to an extent. Charlie Durash. Um, guy, Charlie Durash, exactly. They, they, they do their homework. Give uh, give credit to uh, the Sea Dogs Brass, and you know, and talking about those more recent guys, that that uh, group that did their homework is that same group that's still here now, led by uh, Anthony Stella now. Um, so, um, does not surprise me in the least that a the Dogs would kind of go out in the limb and pick a guy like Ethan Beveridge at thirty, and then have him in the building and have a. Uh, obviously a very, if not clear cut, an extremely strong indication that uh, he would actually record. The Mooseheads have a history of doing stuff like this as well, but they just don't have the same track record of having guys report. If you recall, the Mooseheads drafted Jack Eichel one year. Um, clearly he didn't report. Uh, by the did. way, congratulations. What's that? Sea Dogs did as well. Yes, they did. Exactly. So congratulations to former Sea Dog and Moosehead Jack Eichel on his Stanley Cup win last week. Um, and uh, but and Adam Ernie was another one. Of course, he ended up being flipped to Quebec where he did report and uh, the picks that they acquired were used to select Nathan McKinnon. So it's not like they wasted picks per se, but maybe the track record, it's more, uh, the Mooseheads sort of appear uh, in their history to be more the home run hitters in this, in that case, whereas the sea dogs are more of the homework doers. So it'd be very interesting to see who lands where, like I say, it looks like it's pretty well, a um, an all but guaranteed shot the beverage lands in uh, St. John this year. Uh, very good for a sea dogs team that surprised a few uh, people this year and will continue to rise. No doubt. And for the moose heads, you know what, even if, even if uh, Liam Kilfoyle doesn't report, I'm sure they're going to look at it and just say, you know what, we have options. Um, we are in, uh, we're at the peak of our cycle right now. It doesn't show up this year. It's not the end of the world. Uh, if he doesn't show up at all, you know, maybe he becomes a, 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 long, a long shot part of a, of a trade at some point. Schwinning and Cataracts did that with Mike Matheson one year. You know, they traded for Brandon Gormley and then won the Memorial Cup. Sorry, Z Dogs fans. But, um, you know, uh, there's, there's options there. Just because you, you hit, just because you take the home run swing, if you don't hit the home run, well, you know what? Maybe you still get one in the air and you parlay that asset into something that's uh, of greater use to you. So congratulations to everybody who was drafted uh, at, uh, at the event uh, about a week and a half ago, by the way, for everybody's information, we are, recording on Wednesday night for a change. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing uh, many of you in the queue for the next uh, number of years. But then there's the guys who are in the queue now who also made an impact leading up to and on the draft floor. And of course, those are everybody's favorites, Jamie, the trades. And uh, full disclosure, two weeks ago when we were off the air after recording our last episode, you asked me who I felt would be the um, main contenders. If I, if I had to pick two teams to, to be in the final 
2024. I picked the Halifax Mooses and the Rouran Aranda Huskies. And at least from the Rouran Aranda standpoint, there's not really much that's going to change my mind now because boy, did they go shopping. Yeah. Yep. They loaded up, loaded up big yeah. time. Um, and like, like I've talked about uh, throughout the year, the Huskies are a franchise that has committed to the cycle and mm-hmm. they won it all in 2019. It's going to be five years from then next year. Um, like the, this is the top of the cycle. So it doesn't surprise me at all um, to see them loading up. I'm uh, going to have a new coach as well. So um really excited to see what the Huskies uh, are up to uh, on the ice come the fall. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, uh, just to, to, to rhyme off the guys who are already going to be joining a, a, a very solid core in Ruin Aranda already. Um, Antonin Vero coming in from Gatineau, Andre Loshko, you know, Jamie, you just talked about uh, teams sort of tinkering their roster maybe for 2025. Andre Lashka will not be part of the Shkudemi Segna in 2025, but he's going to be a key part of the Huskies in 2023-2024. So Yannick John pulls the deal with the Huskies uh, to, uh, to to bolster the Huskies and get uh, get assets for Lashko in uh, in the process. And a couple of guys fresh off Memorial Cup win in Jeremy Langlois and uh, William Russo. Uh, so, you know, talk about forces to be reckoned with. Um, yeah. That that is going to be a very impressive team playing in a very hard to play in barn uh, up in Rouran Aranda in 2023, 2024. It is going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, not the only big uh, big players, of course. Uh, they they just <laughs> they're the ones that went for quantity and quality. Um, but a couple of other. Um, what we call I, I in my mind I call them top tier trades for sure. Of course, Ethan Gauthier, who's got a big week ahead of him, yes, he prepares uh, to go to Nashville for the NHL entry draft. He goes from Sherbrooke to Drummondville as the Phoenix begin to build things back up, and Drummondville keeps trying to do what they're trying to do, I guess, for lack of any any uh, better phrasing. And uh, Noah Warren, who I missed out on the Gatineau Olympics big uh, run this year uh, due to surgery, uh, I believe on his shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes from Gatineau to another team who uh, uh, we expect to see on the rise next year, the Victoriaville Tig. Um, so, and, and a few other, uh, we call you know, maybe not as noteworthy of trades, but certainly ones that are going to make an impact uh, uh, next year, uh, Jamie, anything there that, that caught your eye? Anything that had any oohs and ahs on the draft floor, perhaps? Yes. One that, well, the Gauthier trade literally had oohs and ahs because uh, this was a widely expected trade. Um, but, you know, the Wednesday trade period passed, it didn't happen. The Friday trade period passed, it didn't happen. So Saturday on the draft floor, um, the host, Sherbrooke Phoenix, opted to trade Gauthier to Drummondville. So um, got some some interesting reactions from the crowd as uh, as the Phoenix announced that deal. Um, which was kind of cool, um, <clears throat> but certainly an expected deal. You know, the Phoenix they they pretty much blew what up, blew their team up. What was left of it, um, and yeah, Drummondville. I mean, as we mentioned many many times, like they it seems like they're going to run back this core um, mm-hmm. with a new coach. Trademark um, Kyle Dubas, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And they didn't they didn't pick until the fourth round uh, on Saturday as well. I didn't even realize that they they were that low um, on picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like they're going to run it back. So certainly 
uh, an intriguing, maybe a bit of a wildcard team heading into next year, just because we we don't we don't really quite know what this core is capable of. Um, and they op- they also you know there's some rumors around Tyler Peddle as well getting dealt, and he opted he, uh, he ended up not getting traded too. Um, so it certainly looks like Drumville is going to run this core back. Uh, Noah Warren, that seems like a good pickup for Victoriaville as well. Um, again, Gatineau unloading whatever's left of this team. Um, yeah, it looks like a good pick for Victoriaville. Um, I, you know, obviously a team that has, has solid goaltending and add a defenseman like that, certainly a, a little bit scary for some opposing teams, I'm sure. Um, a few of the other trades, you know, Cam McDonald going to Cape Breton. That one kind of went under the, under the radar a little bit, even though that happened at the draft. Um, I think that's a pretty good pickup. And McDonald, who didn't, didn't get signed by um, Tampa Bay, so he's probably going to be back in the queue next year as an overager. Uh, to me, he seems like a guy who could explode offensively, especially on what we think is going to be an okay Cape Breton team. So I think that's a pretty good um, pickup for them. Um, Justin Gill going to Bay Camo, their, <laughs> their offense looks like ridiculous right now. Um, you know, you add Justin Gill, who had that breakout year um, in Sherbrooke, 44 goals last year, Adam to, you know, to Justin Poirier, Isaac Dufort, Malovsky, like that's a, that's a young but deadly, deadly offense in Bakemo. They're going to be a fun team to watch, especially if they kind of build off that momentum they had um, from that first round uh, series against Moncton, which maybe they should have won. Um, hot take there. Depends on, yeah. Depends on your video review take. I was going to say, depends on how many cameras you have in the building, really. But speaking of the Wildcats, Olivier Boutin, I think that's a good pickup for them too, a 20 year old defenseman. Um, they've got a pretty promising defense core, but it's still young. So I, I like that ad for them. I think he adds a, a key piece of some veteran, some veteran leadership to a young core. Um, I'm sure Moncton kind of envisions this defense core kind of being the way we saw Halifax develop throughout the year and really, really, you know, step into their own come to playoffs. And I'm, I'm sure Hal or I'm sure Moncton's kind of hoping to see something similar next year and, and really see some, uh, some promise with this, this core as they build for 2025. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. They, they seem to want to have uh, that well-rounded team, yep. uh, so to speak. And the uh, Bhutan definitely uh, puts them a step in the right direction. And you mentioned a uh, Gill, of course, um, uh, coming off a 90 plus point season, a real breakout year. He'll, he should fit in quite well. Um, another Sherbrooke guy, Milo Rollins ends up going from Sherbrooke to Bathurst. Huge. Uh, literally so, huge. Yeah. Literally, literally six foot six, six, six I six, believe. Six, six. Yes. And uh, talk about another former uh, or recent Memorial Cup winner, uh, Charles Truchon, of course, uh, had a couple of key moments at that tournament out in Kamloops. A few weeks back, uh, he leaves the rampart to go uh, down the highway, actually, to the East Division rivals in Ramuski. And, and one note on that trade, too, Will. Uh, Ramuski, another trade that kind of went under the radar, Ramuski traded um, another 20-year-old defenseman, their captain from last year, Mathis Goche, uh, yes. went to St. John. So interesting that they replaced Truchon, Tru, or replaced Goche with Truchon. Um, add that in with kind of, you know, Serge Beausoleil leaving and bringing a new coach and a new GM. Really feels like they're they're injecting some some fresh energy into uh, this existing Ramuski core. Yeah, and we're going to talk about uh, that change and a number of other changes that have also happened uh, in boardrooms, behind benches, what have you, uh, in the queue here in the last few couple weeks. Really, uh, we'll start with the most obvious one. Uh, 
Um, you know, we, you know, Jamie, you've been talking about the 2023 Quebec Grand Prix run as, you know, the last dance, so to speak. And it pretty much, it, 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 it just went through its final phase uh, with uh, Patrick Waugh stepping down as head coach and GM of the Grand Prix, uh, as well as Jacques Tanguay. Uh, both of these men uh, were part of the group that purchased this team uh, back in 1996 when they were still playing in uh, Beauport as the Harfang. Uh, Jacques Tanguay was the president of the Rampart. Both of those men have stepped down. Uh, Simon Gagné has already been named the new general manager. He was the assistant coach to Patrick Waugh this past season. Um, Really no surprise. Uh, I think the the biggest storyline from this, Jamie, uh, especially anybody who follows Lee closely, is just really seeing where Patrick Wall lands next. Well, yeah, and it's, I don't think any of us really kind of thought that it would kind of play out this way. I think a lot of us probably thought that um, there'd be an NHL opening for Wall right now, and he'd, you know, he'd win his championships, he'd step down and go join the NHL, but it doesn't look like it's going to be quite that smooth. Um, as I, from what I can tell, every, every NHL job is, has been filled or will be filled very shortly. Um, so curious to see what happens with Patrick Wad. I, I can't really envision him, um, you know, going to the AHL or, or taking, I don't even no. know if I could see him taking an assistant AHL job at this point. I, I think it's a head coach job or, or nothing. So I think he's, he's probably going to end up waiting for uh, a midseason replacement or waiting a year or two for, uh, for a job to open up. But um, Jacques Tangay, one other interesting note I'll mention about him. He has mentioned, He's heavily involved with the Laval football program. He has mentioned about mm-hmm. potentially helping Laval uh, start uh, a hockey program, so that could be interesting too. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of Quebec-based university hockey programs, so that would be uh, intriguing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, UQTR has a solid history behind it, but outside of that, you know, obviously McGill has one, Concordia, but um, you know, not with the same prestige as maybe other programs across the country. And uh, if he can build the Laval hockey uh, program to the same level as what Laval has built that football program, then, uh, well, look out, Gardner McDougall, because there's going to be some competition in the hockey realm. That's uh, that's for sure, obviously. They're, they're a renowned perennial Vanier Cup yeah. uh, participant right now in the football realm. Um, so best of luck for uh, all of those guys, not just Patrick Waz. He, you know, decides upon his future or waits for his future to be decided upon him really. And Jacques Tangay in his pursuits, but also Simon Gagne, who uh, a lot of people don't remember what he was actually a member of the Beauport Harfang uh, as a rookie when Patrick Waugh bought that team and uh, ended up really being the first superstar for the Rampart uh, when they uh, moved down the road to, uh, to Quebec uh, back in 97. So uh, really a full circle moment for, for him as well. It'd be uh, very interesting uh, to see um, how, uh, how Simon Gagne tries to build this team uh, um, the way he wants to. And quite frankly, he's starting from scratch. So uh, he's, he can go any number of ways that he wishes. And we hope that uh, he has every success. Um, Wasn't the only moves that were made though um, behind benches. In the queue, uh, two other things worth noting: uh, Bruce Richardson in the in the week leading into the draft, he was let go by the Blaineville Bobriand Armada, um, former player in the league, back in the mid to late '90s. Had five seasons with the Armada, 
Two of them were winning seasons. He had one playoff series win. And really, when you think about the Blainville Boisbriand Armada in the last 10 years or so, uh, Jamie, the first 10 years were perennial, hardworking, even when it was a down year, it was a competitive year under Joel Bouchard. And unfortunately, uh, with with uh, Bruce Richardson, very nice guy. Always enjoy interviewing him, but they, they just they they just couldn't find their stride. And now they they move on as the team. Uh, we as we mentioned earlier in this uh, broadcast, as the team really starts to to kick that rebuild into high gear. Yeah, and the Armada they made a few adjustments to their ownership group before the draft, so uh, not a huge shock to see them, you know, just kind of say we want to bring in our own guy. Um, and certainly a disappointing year for the Armada last year. This is a uh, this time last year, um, you know, we were looking at them as you know a top five team in the league, and things just didn't work out at all. And they they flipped into rebuild mode, and um, they're set up pretty well now for the future by the looks of it. Um, so certainly a lot of promise for them, but uh, they'll have someone new uh, running the ship. That's a good pun, right? Uh, for the Armada, um, and it, it really seems like they're and now reading some of this this stuff that new ownership groups really seems like they they're looking for kind of a restart for this franchise uh, to kind of bring it back to to what it was uh, uh, even just five five years ago. Yeah, and and the thing is, there's been rumors surrounding this franchise you know where, yeah. where they're going to get purchased where they're going to be relocated so it's been it's not been the easiest of times in laneville uh so hopefully uh hopefully these are the first signs it's unfortunate in the case of bruce richardson but you know in terms of you know the, the franchise and the players who are playing for it hopefully it's a sign of uh, hopefully some stability coming up um so as we mentioned you know bruce richardson uh, let go uh leading into the draft um you know, uh, he was, he was, he, you know, it's not ideal to let it go, let a guy go that close to the draft, uh, obviously, but, um, you know, then there's other organizations who decide to uh, bring their head coach to the draft with them. And, uh, then all of a sudden he's not at the draft table on the day of the draft. So let's talk about the Cape Breton Eagles and John Goins. So, uh, John was in uh, Cape Breton for one year, uh, 30 wins and, Let's not lose sight of the fact, Jamie, that 30 wins in Cape Breton, it's taken a very long time for this organization to claw back even to that level um, since their last really competitive team back in 2019-2020. Of course, the playoffs shut down due to COVID. They're finally just getting back to a, a point where they can, they can be competitive with most teams in the league on any given night. Um, so he had that going for him. But... It's just a bizarre way to go about things. As I mentioned, he traveled with the team. He was there in the weekend, in on the weekend leading into the draft, and then all of a sudden, like, I'll put it to you this way, Jamie: If you were a player and you were selected by the Cape Breton Eagles um, uh, a week ago, well, or last, or the weekend before last, I should say, sorry. If you're selected by that team and you come up to the podium and everybody's up there, but the guy who was coaching the team and was there just the other day is no longer there. Are you not a little bit concerned? Yes, I would, I would certainly be concerned. I would certainly be asking a lot of questions. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it's certainly a choice by the Eagles to, <laughs> to, to go about it this way. 
Um, you know, I appreciate the drama, I guess, but um, this is uh, this is very bizarre. Um, mm -hmm. The way I always looked at the Cape Breton Eagles is that they are forever going to be disadvantaged because of their location, and that's just reality. They're always going to have mm -hmm. to deal with tra more travel than pretty much any other team in the entire CHL. They're always going to have that disadvantage. And now it just seems like they've created all these disadvantages on their own um, mm -hmm. that just don't need to happen. There's just like this internal chaos, it seems like, um, constantly. Um, and it just doesn't seem like there's any solid plan. And there's if there is, there's no patience for that plan. Um, and it just seems like it's just ad hoc uh, decisions here and there. And we'll see what happens. And fingers crossed, everything just unfolds and results in the Memorial cup and apparently tons of building renovations and also hosting Memorial cup and, um, all these other stuff. They're just, they're it just seems like they're all over the place. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the CHL and back in the day, there was even more that were kind of hamstrung much like the Cape Brand Eagles, maybe not to the extent of the Eagles, but they just, they had a hard time, uh, dealing with whatever setbacks were thrown their way, whether it was travel, whether it was budgetary, whether whatever. Um, but, you know, and it's not to say that, you know, you, you can be, uh, to use the classic example, you can't be the Peterborough Peets. Not every team can be that, where, you know, you just, you know, you use it as a rallying cry and you bring in the best people that you can and all of a sudden you're this legendary franchise. Nobody's saying that they have to be that. But there's a lot to be said for at least being somewhat stable. And that ain't happening right now. And it hasn't been happening for a very long time. I, it's just, if, if I'm a fan of that organization, I, if I haven't given up already, I'm wondering when is the madness going to end? because this is bizarre and you know it wasn't that long it hasn't always been this way it wasn't always it wasn't that long ago you know 10 15 years ago where the eagles were actually a model of consistency and you didn't hear this I and mean, everybody knew that they had to travel everybody knew that they were disadvantaged maybe from an economic standpoint at times but you didn't hear it so often because it didn't have to be an excuse because they worked around it to the best of their ability. That's what you got to do. And one of the best things that you can do to avoid um, the turmoil and the chaos and having to drag out the same excuses every time is not fire your coach the day before the draft. <laughs> Wait till the weekend's over if you have to. Maybe <laughs> decide to do it the week before. <laughs> At that exact moment, you decide to do that. Um, I hope they know what they're doing. Moving on. Peruski Oceanic, they hired Danny DuPont as a GM. Jamie, your thoughts? <laughs> I think it's a good hire. He's had some experience in the league, and uh, I'm curious to see uh, what he can do with this this core because it's a, it's a good young core. Um, lots of pieces. They drafted a few players this weekend as well. Drafted a goalie really high. Um, plus, they yeah. brought in Vincent Filion as well, so uh, curious to see that. Um, but a team that's on the rise and a team that we know is, is interested in hosting in 2025 as well, along with the Wildcats. So uh, um, probably a team that will, will be busy um, over the next few months uh, trying to tee that up. Yeah. 
definitely. And, you know, and you mentioned Vincent Fillion, very, very intriguing guy right there to see how he can rebound from what was a tumultuous at times uh, stint uh, with the Wildcats. Um, let's uh, finish it off here, Jamie, with our team profile of the week. Um, it's going to be a quick one in a lot of ways because there's not a lot to talk about in the NHL. There's nothing to talk about in the queue. But they're a team that everybody loves to talk about all the time, and that's your Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, as we mentioned, there's nobody in the queue right now currently drafted by the Leafs and nobody in the NHL. But a decent roster of guys in the AHL and the ECHL. Uh, uh, we get the lists in front of us. Uh, what are some of the names that uh, pop out at you? Well, definitely Logan Shaw, I believe, was uh, one. I don't know if he's still captaining the Merleys, but had been captaining the Merleys. So certainly a notable name there. Um, and Abramov as well was a pretty legit Maple Leafs prospect for some time. Um, Zach O'Brien, who I don't know if we talked about him on this show or I talked about him off air, but uh, um, still not getting a lot of penalty minutes. Um, <laughs> I, think he's, I think he spent most of the year with the Growlers, but um, mm-hmm. I, I believe he's going to Europe next year. So best of luck to him. Um, William Villeneuve, who I paid a lot of attention to this year, obviously, um, had a pretty good first pro year. I think maybe a little bit better than what was expected of him. Um, didn't get to play in any playoff games, but did play most of the regular season. So uh, he'll probably have a bigger role for uh, for the Marlies next year, uh, assuming they kind of the new regime in Toronto kind of keeps them going down the same track. Yeah, and the reason why I burst out laughing there for anybody who's wondering, Zach O'Brien played 207 games in the queue between the regular season and the playoffs and accumulated two penalty minutes over the course of that. And just absolutely legendary. It happened in Moncton, by the way. I was was living in Moncton, but was not at that game. I had people sending me photos of him in the penalty box. It's it's like a Bigfoot sighting, basically. But uh, uh, best of luck to Zach as he goes over uh, to Europe, former 50-goal scorer in the queue. Um, And, of course, the ECHL with the Newfoundland Growlers, which is kind of becoming the de facto place where Newfoundland players will end up playing if they don't play senior hockey. including probably my favorite guy that I've seen crop up in these lists this year, Jordan Escott, who actually played senior hockey for nine years in Newfoundland before signing as a free agent with the Growlers in February of 2021. I think they were actually, it was actually due to a, a shortage on the roster and he's still with them now. You know, <laughs> after he, he put in a year and a half. So very impressive. Cool. Jordan played with the old really cool. Rocket. Yeah. And then guys like Nathan Knoll, Adam Hallwell, James Melindy, um guys with the with the newfoundland connection of course brett budgel his first pro season um you know they're they're making their foray in case of budgel his first four away foray into the pro ranks right at home it's it's actually kind of neat it's uh, yeah it makes me want to get over to mile one and and see this team compete yeah it's really cool really cool experience too mile one's nice or mary brown's mary brown center which is Sorry, a better, yes. better name now honestly uh, chicken. Hey, he, he, <laughs> oh, nothing beats Big Mary Monday. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cool, cool experience, and cool to see them doing that. Um, and a, a very good team as well. Like they've been one of the best ECHL teams or since uh, since they came in the league five or six years ago. So very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly Cup win under their belt already in year one, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, hopefully, good times uh, still ahead uh, 
over on the rock and the good times are going to continue here next week we're going to be a little earlier than usual as the 2023 nhl draft is taking place in nashville on wednesday because of course let's have the draft on a wednesday um but uh, we'll probably re- record on monday next week i think we've agreed to so uh, you'll see the next episode hit in probably about five or six days and it'll be all about the draft. We'll recap the prospects that we've already recapped. Uh, go back to uh, go back uh, on a lot of those guys that maybe we haven't talked about earlier uh, since earlier in the season. Maybe some guys we expect to be surprises. Some guys maybe we expect to see slip. We're going to talk about all of that and more next week on another episode of THN on the Q, brought to you by MGM. In the meantime, for Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. We'll see you next week. Thank you.